I think one of the things to realize about the church world is that most of God's people want the fluff and the feel-good church, but not the straightforward, live right, tell the truth kind of church. Th th that's a problem. I said, that's a problem because it sets you up for deception. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, now the Spirit, say the Spirit, and every one of you have the Holy Spirit with you. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving or seducing spirits. How many knows that's a problem? That God's people who serve God, love God, tithe, helped to build God's church, helped expand God's kingdom, gave God praise, and gave God worship. Now, watch this, now they're departing from the faith because they gave heed to a seducing, deceiving spirit. And, the Bible says, doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. God forbid. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a devil loose. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. This devil thinks he's free. And the reason why he thinks he's free to be loosed to do what he wants to do is because God people won't do what I said a moment ago and take their rightful place of authority. But I think we got a remnant church that God is raising up in these last days that won't take no from an answer, will not allow the devil to ride rough shot, will not allow them to become a welcome man, but will stand up and be heard and prophesy the word of the Lord. Somebody say yes! Yeah. you are not free we subjugate you now in the name of Jesus he walks about this devil walks about like a roaring lion he's not a lion but he makes a big noise like a lion he's like a lion seeking whom he may devour the only lion I read about in the word of God is the lion of the tribe of Judah somebody say amen and the Bible says resist him this devil steadfast in the faith statement you don't let the devil ride roughshod on you you resist him everybody say today I resist the devil the title of my message this morning is the devil is a liar father in the name of Jesus we come before your throne we thank you for your anointing, Lord God, that rests upon me to speak your word. But upon also your people, whether they're watching, Lord God, by their television or device, or whether they're in this room today, Lord God, there is an anointing be released today, Lord God, to resist the devil, to build up our faith, Lord God, to encourage us into places of victory, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that the outcome has already been won, and we receive it now in Jesus' name. Let revelation knowledge flow freely. Let the prophetic and apostolic flow freely in this house, we pray. In the mighty name of the one Jesus. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord one more shout of praise. You know we're Pentecostal. 1 Peter 5, 6. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Peter is speaking to the apostle of the church. 
And, of course, that trickles down because the Bible is written to all of us. It trickles down into the apostles or pastors of the church. Let's read it again. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine. Doctrine simply means a set of beliefs or standards by which we believe and teach and instruct in. Okay? That's what doctrine is. You will have good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. The word is saying that my doctrine, as the pastor of this church, speaking for this church, my doctrine is a good doctrine if I am willing to preach the full counsel of the word of God. What is the full counsel of the word of God? Everything God wants said in his church, he gets said in his church. I am obligated. I am not called by my own volition. That is not, I'm not, I can't, I didn't call me. God called me. So you want a preacher who's going to stand firm and strong, flat-footed, and tell you what is thus says the Lord. Tell you what the Word of God has to say. Instruct you in righteousness and in good doctrine. Somebody say amen. So what am I supposed to, the Bible says that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a, a person that has good, good doctrine if I instruct you in these things. What are these things? Well, instruct you that the devil's walking around like a roaring lion. He's not supposed to be. Resist him steadfast to faith. Uh, to tell you that there is a devil loosed, that there is a devil out there that wants to do what? Deceive and seduce you to get you out of the faith, keep you from God and going to heaven keeping you from knowing your, your true destiny in Christ. These are the things I'm supposed to instruct you in, the Bible says. And the, the most preachers begin to, begin, to, uh, begin to preach and say things that will begin to tickle people's uh, fancies and begin to get them to, to, to feel good about their lifestyle and all that good stuff that they want you to feel a certain kind of way. Amen. But I'm not called, and I hope it does bring Holy Ghost goosebumps, goosebumps but that is not my job. Someone one time said, well, I feel them. How do you know? I look at goosebumps on my arm. That was the air conditioning unit that just kicked on. Praise God. How do you know that's God? What happens when you don't feel goosebumps the next day? I want to teach you that you don't have to walk in feeling whatsoever. You can have a no down in your knower. Come on. That God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Um, one of the things I noticed early on in, in, in ministry is that if you're a strong preacher, not everyone's going to think that you're sent by God. And most will probably not like you too much. I noticed that right off the bat. I noticed that people usually love me when I'm preaching something that they love. But, but I noticed that if I ever touch something that is um, 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 a sacred cow, amen, in their lives, if I ever touch that, I am the, word, I am the devil himself. One man came up to me many years ago, and uh, <clears throat> he said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I, I need to ask you to forgive me. I said, what, why, why, why? What happened? He said, well, I just, I just hate you. I said, okay. And then he didn't stop there. I hated you with an unearthly hate. What is an unearthly hate? It don't sound good. But I want you to know I got over it. And I want you to, I'm asking you to forgive me. I said, you're forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. But stay away. Praise God. I, unearthly hate, that's bad. That's like, that's, that's another realm altogether. Praise God. And so, by the way, if you ever want to give forgiveness for somebody, ask for don't, don't tell them all the bad stuff that you thought about. Them. That, that's probably not good. It's probably not a good, good thing to do. But look, it's because my personality is a certain kind of way. 
and my personality, I believe God chose me to be a preacher because that's my personality style. My personality style is to be upfront, be honest, amen, black or white. This is what the word of God says. I don't know what to tell you. I got to live it like you got to live it. Amen. So look, if you're going to be strong for God, get used to haters. But just know your haters will become your elevators. Y'all got that. And so when they come on by, just go, going up? Come on, somebody. <laughs> and secondly, get delivered from people's opinions. Everybody's got an opinion. I try to stay away from all that stuff. I don't want to read all my comments. Come on, somebody, because that will hurt your feelings sometimes. Amen. And I stay, by the way, I've been staying, six months I have been news free. I used to be a user. Hallelujah. Hi, my name is Jeff Pruitt, and I was a newsaholic. Praise God. And, um, and I like news so much, I watch it every day, sometimes for a couple hours at a whack. Praise God. Because I kind of like what they're saying. I, I'm into what they're, and I'm mad at this, and I'm mad at that. I noticed it was adjusting my attitude. Even the people I agree with, they were making me mad at the people I don't agree with. And I noticed there's a divide. I thought, wait a second here. That's not my position. My position is the God. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm to touch everybody. Somebody say amen. And so, so I, I, I cut the news off. I cut off other people's opinions. And when you get free from other people's opinions, what they have to say and what they've got to say about you, your life will be so much more peaceful. Well, we got to take care of this. You're not, look, the bottom line is, that's why I'm saying we got to get back in a place of prayer because everything we need done in America and in your life is going to be done in the spirit first. When I give a word and God's been using me strong lately for prophetic words, and you're going to see that more and more often because I'm stepping into another anointing in my personal walk with God. And I'm just here to tell you that when I give these words, I almost want to put a disclaimer out first. I want to put almost a warning, and I might do it just for fun, and you might see it in one of these words that I, I give out there and say, uh, uh, <clears throat> the views and opinions expressed through this word may not match the views and opinions of Jeffrey D. Pruitt. Why? My job is not to have an opinion with God. He gets to have his opinion whether I like what he's got to say about it or not. Y'all didn't hear me. I've been used of God in the past, and I will tell you, I've had to give people words, and I knew who they were. And I'm thinking, no, no, don't bless them. No, no. Do not give them that word about ministry. They can't even keep their zipper zipped. And yet God did not care about my opinion. This is the word of the Lord, and there's got to be a people that will rise up beyond their personal feelings and viewpoints and political viewpoints and say, I'm going to say, thus says the Lord. So you might see it. You might see this word does not expressly uh, have the same viewpoint as mine, but I do approve this message. Hallelujah. Because it comes from God Almighty. I decided... I'm going to go ahead and tell the truth. No matter what anybody's got to say about it, and no matter their opinion, tell the truth, shame the devil, because the devil is a liar. Let me just say, a strong leader will always value what God has to say above all else. 
if I can hear his voice, oh my goodness, when I hear his voice, the, the, the pleasure that sweeps over me because I feel so honored. I'm honored that he would speak to me any secret. And by the way, the secrets are found in the secret place. The secret place is the place of secrets. If you want to know God's secrets, you've got to spend time with him in the secret place. But he might tell you things that go, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't even believe that. But now I know you're behind that. And let me prophesy in the days ahead, you're going to be shocked at what God's about to do, not only on planet earth, but across this land. And you're going to go, oh, my only God could do that. But I didn't even believe in that. Watch and see. It's the kind of strength that you, that, that, uh, that you stand in that will actually, as a man of God, will protect the church. And we need the church to be protected. The devil hates strong leaders in Christ. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Beware, folks. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Itching ears is what the Bible says and warns us against. Itching to hear something new. Itching to hear something that they agree with. Itching to hear something that they can sink their teeth into that will do what? Will what? Embolden their belief system. But what if God is trying to challenge your belief system? Tell me something. I need to hear something. Why? I got to scratch my itch. I got examples of this throughout the word of God and throughout, of course, right now in 2020, we can see it as well. I won't go into all the details, but the grace message is another one. And I believe in grace. We all believe in grace. Thank God for the amazing grace of God. But to believe that I can do what I want to do and sin like I want to sin and live the way I want to live and think I'm going to make heaven because I got God's grace, you are sadly mistaken. And I say that in the love of God. If you see your child running out or somebody else's child running out into the street and there's a big Mack truck coming down the road 55 miles an hour, but the child doesn't see it, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't want to scream because they might offend the parents. I don't want to scream because it might offend my neighbor. I don't want to scream because it might offend the child. You don't care. You scream bloody murder because you're about to witness somebody be killed. So we need preachers that will stand up and say, this is what God is saying because God doesn't want you destroyed. What if they get offended? Not my job. Am I preaching okay? And so we got that message. We have the inclusion message that Jesus died once and for all, and you don't have to receive him at all. He already died. Jesus already died. What a deception. Yes, Jesus already died. Yes, Jesus died for the whole wide world. But the Bible says you must believe that he is the son of God. You must give your life to Jesus. That puts the burden on the church to get his message out to the whole wide world. And that's why I do not believe the end is yet. We got work to do. We have our children, their children, and their children. We got work to do in America and around the world. Amen. Jesus said, 
We are to know them by their fruits. Unfortunately, most Christians don't judge each other by their fruits, but they judge each other by their hairstyles, the car they drive, the clothes they wear, the kind of house they have. Amen. And especially the pastor and his wife. Well, my God, you see the kind of car they drive? They drive a whole Subaru. And it's a nice Subaru, too. It's the top of the line. Rob G., am I telling a lie? It's the top of the line. And I got the fifth one in Wisconsin. Hallelujah. Brand spanking new. Fifth one. How'd you do that? Blessed. Look at all the haters in the room. <laughs> I used to drive for 10 years. I had two different Cadillac Escalades when the Escalade was really popular. How nice was it? Really nice. I had one for five years. I got another one for five years. You thought people thought I went in their pockets and stole their money behind their back. How did you do it? I can't afford an Escalade. Nope, you're right. I got a deal. Hallelujah. I knew a fr I had a guy. Come on, I had a guy. And what people didn't know, my payment on my Cadillac was less than my Tahoe. Nobody even cared about my Tahoe. But people judge by the appearance. People judge by the appearance. We're to judge them by their fruit. So we read, I read, that there are seducing, deceiving spirits that are trying to get God's people to abandon the faith. This is big. In other words, these spirits are seducing people to believe a lie, getting them to look at flesh and blood as their problem. How many times do I must teach you in this church, flesh and blood is not your issue. The devil is a liar. And yes, there is problems in America and around the world, but it's still not the issue. The root is the devil. And he's lying about one another to keep us split and divide so we can't come together. But I'm going to tell the devil right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not steal this generation. You will not cause a race war under our watch. We bind you now and we lose angels, angels, angels in Kenosha, in Milwaukee, in America. Hey, Salamatate, I'm telling you, we're prophesying and God's doing it right now. My wife and I get up every morning. We are honored and privileged to have a church of color. We got white people in here. We got black people in here. We got brown people in here. And we have a couple yellow people. But we're happy to have them. Hallelujah. We got a multiplicity of colors in this church. And it's only by the grace of God. And it's a sign and a wonder to show everybody we can come together. We do not belittle the problems. We deal with them in the spirit. My wife and I are honored and privileged. And I said, Lord, I don't want to say anything to hurt my people. Because when I look at my people, I don't have a white church. I have beautiful white people, but I have beautiful black people and beautiful brown people. And we have the rest of y'all are mutts. Hallelujah. We love every one of you. 
I got two mutt grandchildren, and they're beautiful. Amen. My point to you is, is that the devil is a liar, and he is instigating and poking and prodding, and he is loosed, and he is roaring like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Our fight is in the spirit. That's why we're coming back to prayer. Ephesians 6, now we haven't stopped praying, but I'm talking about corporate prayer. Ephesians 6.10 says, put on the whole armor of God. So he didn't make any bones about it. We are called to the fight. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is where your fight is. I am not your issue. You are not my issue. You may be causing problems, but I'm looking further than that. I smell a demon from hell that is trying to cause issues in my community. In our beloved America, somebody say amen. So this morning, I don't know how I'm going to do this because y'all got me preaching way too soon. This is a, we, got, we got a flow of the spirit in this house this morning. But I'll do my best. I want to give you some of the lying spirits that will come to attack the church, that will come to attack you, that will come to attack your family and our nation. Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. The first, I'm going to say right off the bat, it's the spirit of Korah. The spirit of Korah. Look at Numbers chapter 16, 1. Now Korah, the son of Ezar, took men, and they rose up and became insolent before Moses with some of the children of Israel. 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. These were leadership. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy. Who do you think you are? Every one of us are holy, and you take too much of the Lord. Why then? Do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Verse 8. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel? God sanctified you? Is that small to you? He gave you a great, great ministry to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that, ye, that he has brought you near to himself? You and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? Verse 23. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abarim. Verse 28. Now when God says get away from your house, he's warning you to get away? Uh-uh, not good. Moses said in verse 28, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up, Lord have mercy. With all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Verse 35, and a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense, all of those boys. And the Bible goes on to say, I'm trying to get into all the, opened up the earth and swallowed them all. God wasn't playing. Can I tell you right now, God's not playing today either. He's not in a mood to play games anymore. 
God is drawing a line in the sand. And he is asking his people, come over to the right side. I want you on my side. The lying spirit that happened in Korah's day is still at work right now in good old 2020. The Bible says that Korah rose up against Moses. Same word, rose up for the word insolent. And insolent means to boldly behave disrespectful. It means to be rude, to be arrogant, to be contemptuous. It means to be overbearing. It means, I preached this the other, week, the other day, dishonoring. To treat those in leadership as common. This was more than just a disagreement. It was an unresolved disagreement that Korah had in his own heart that became an offense to Korah. And Korah, instead of doing what was right, having to sit down with Moses and say, can you explain this to me so I have a better understanding, he made a decision that he was right and Moses was wrong. And that offense is the same word scandal on where we get the word scandal. So when you don't deal with offense, it creates drama or it creates a scandal. And then God has to intervene and say, this is right and this is wrong. There is a judgment that will come. Who did Korah rise up against? The Bible says, well, he rose up against his pastor. Well, his, his, Moses was his pastor. But the Bible is even more clear because it makes it so interesting to me because most rebellious Christians that we find in the world today, and you've seen this scenario before, many of you have been serving God for a while, we find out that they don't want to take personal responsibility for the decisions they make. They would much rather blame their leader than take personal responsibility. I'm teaching real good right now. Now, this is for the, this is for the mature. They believe the lie of the devil like Korah, that they don't need a man of God in their life. They believe that they can do it just fine on their own. I can hear God the way he hears God. I can do it the way he does it. But you have to understand, that doesn't matter. God still calls what he calls. Notice how the spirit of Korah can't keep quiet with his rebellion. He has to what? Begin to recruit and draw others in because why? Korah, that spirit, has no desire to reconcile the matter. All they want to do is split and divide and bring it down. Do not be involved in the spirit that pervades in the earth today. This spirit does not want peace. It wants to take over or destroy. Everybody say the devil is a liar. You know, what's crazy about this is that, Pat, that Korah said, I don't like the pastor being in charge of everything. I don't like the one-man rule. What I, what I really would like to have is I would like to have us all be able to rule. But let me tell you what, just, just go ahead and nominate me as the pastor for a time, and then I'll give you some rulership later. Interestingly enough, he wants exactly what Moses has and then lies to everybody else about it. I'm preaching really good now. And I'm giving you a look behind the scenes what happens in the spirit a lot. Amen. A person that has this spirit may not recognize it. In verse 8 and 9, we see the motivation for this rebellion when Moses tells them that they should be satisfied with their position and calling to serve, the calling they had to serve in the ministry of helps. And then he calls them out by saying, and if that wasn't enough, now you want the priesthood too? Now you want something you're not even qualified for? Now you want something you're not called for? Who would ever want something they're not called for or called to? Life is hard enough. You don't want to do something without the grace of God in your life. Let me break it down further. Lady, that man is not yours. 
if he's married to somebody else, he don't, he don't belong in your life. Sir, that woman is not yours if she's married to someone. Well, right now they're, in part, they're almost having a divorce. No, almost ain't divorced. When do we get to make up the rules around here? I said, God's drawing a line, and he's wanting some morality around here. we got to get on God's side. Am I right about this church? Well, I love them, Pastor. I love them. The devil is a lie. He'll make you feel all kinds of, of, of emotions. Korah thought he was fighting with the pastor. After all, he was just a man, right? And we know he was just a man, that they don't agree with him. So therefore, you know, uh, Moses now has to school them and Korah. It says, it is against the Lord, not me, that you and your followers have banded together. Here's the bottom line. When you mess with the man of God, you may not like this, but that tells me where you're at. If you mess with the man of God, you're messing with God. When you mess with the man or woman of God, whoa, Pastor, now that gives you too much authority. Now, hold on a second. I will answer before God a different way than you'll answer before God. And he's going to hold me accountable. I'm trying to love you and tell you the truth. That goes for me. I'm not to talk about Pastor so-and-so across town. Why? Touch not his anointing and do his prophets no harm. You mess with God's people, you're getting away. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He never even met Jesus, yet Jesus said you're persecuting him. But when you persecute his men and you persecute his women, he takes it personal. Amen and amen. Why am I saying that? Because God wants to bring honor back into the house of God. Honor and order back into the house of God. What a ministry these people have, huh? Korah. What a ministry they have. Talking to anyone who will listen about how screwed up their church is and how screwed up their pastor is. There's another way to identify the spirit. Do they edify or magnify the issues when they talk? Are they edifying or are they magnifying? Big difference. Number two. Woo. Just everybody go, everybody go, whew, we got through that one. Hallelujah. And here comes number two. And I'm going to end right over here. Number two, I want to talk about the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah. And she's very alive in this area, by the way. The Jezebel spirit is the spirit of manipulation and control. Everybody say, the devil is a lie. Verse 4, look at verse 4. I believe I gave you the scripture. Did I not give you the scripture? Yes. 1 Kings 18, verse 4. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hid them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. Verse 13. Was it not reported to my Lord what I said, what I did rather with Jezebel, killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? All right. 1 Kings 19.1. And Ahab, this is, this is the, the husband of Jezebel. He's the king. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, him killing the prophets, the bad ones, the false prophets. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. 
who does Jezebel think she is to issue any type of statement like that when she is not even in a place of authority? Jezebels do not care. They see themselves as smarter. They see themselves as more spiritual. They see themselves as greater and higher than anybody else who's in control. Little understanding about 1 Kings. Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, the king. One of the most evil kings ever reigned. They were a perfect match because they were a wicked rulership. Though Jezebel had no authority of her own, she knew how to manipulate the king to get what she wanted and control with it. Jezebel got what she wanted through selfish and emotional ambition and would not take no for an answer. No one was going to tell her or her husband no. She was power hungry and wicked in her desires and her vision. Jezebel absolutely hated the prophets of God, but in particular Elijah. Because Elijah could not be bought. Elijah could not be enticed and Elijah could not be seduced. Where are the preachers today that can't be bought? Where are the preachers who won't be enticed by the first little hussy that comes down the aisle? I can't, I can't believe that more. You got up and walked out right there. I feel it right now in the room. You are uncomfortable. Some of you don't like this kind of, but that's that devil. That's not even you. Rebuke it. That's not you. That's the devil. And the devil is a liar. This kind of message don't build the church. It separates it. I want everybody to be happy, but I recognize not everybody belongs to faith builders and not everybody works with the same spirit. Where are the preachers who will not be seduced by this present world and all its trappings? We've got preachers that look more like Hollywood than they do holy. we got preachers on social media showing their Mercedes and Bentleys like they're rock stars wearing their $500 sneakers and $300 Ray-Bans. But nobody getting saved and delivered in their ministries. But they're talking about how the Lord has blessed them. No, sir, no, ma'am, that's not God. I'm not saying you can't have nice things. I'm saying that spirit is not of the Lord. They turn ministry into money stream. And that God is going to judge. We need preachers today that will stand strong and stand alone if necessary and declare the word of the Lord without promise or of fame or fortune. It's hard to manipulate a true man of God or a true woman of God. It's hard because their biggest payoff is not things. Their biggest payoff is the word of the Lord. If I can just hear you. Jezzy is threatened by real men of God because they will not bow because they have, Jezzy has no access into their life. Therefore, she'll want to kill them. She'll want to take them out. I'm going to close with this. So hang in there. Some of you are holding your breath, but hang in there, praise God. Amen. One day, the king was upset because he couldn't get a piece of property that he desperately wanted. 
And so Jezzy comes home, and she sees Ahab, and he's miserable. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? Well, this piece of property, and then he won't sell it to me. You're the king. Take it. Take what you want. Don't worry about it. I'll make it happen for you. And she goes and talks to the right people in authority and starts talking bad about this man named, uh, what is his name? His name is uh, Naboth. N-A-B-O-T-H. And he says, uh, says, this man Naboth has been speaking all kinds of things against the kingdom and against the king and made him look bad in their sight. And they said, we can't tolerate this. We will take his life. And they went and had the man killed. And as soon as the man was killed, Jesse went and maneuvered in and got the deed to the property and handed with a big smile to the king and said, it's yours, my king. Elijah got wind of it. How did he get wind of it? Nobody knew. The Lord God Almighty spoke to him and said, now listen to me, everybody. What's going on in the land right now? He said, there's a great injustice in the land. You don't think God knows what's going on? you got to understand God knows and God will respond. But he'll do it his way. And so uh, he sends word. And he says, uh, go tell them to meet me at the vineyard. What vineyard? Nabal's vineyard. This guy, he's bold. He's really bold. And so they have to meet him because they had to answer the prophets. And so they go, Jezebel and Ahab. And this is what happens in 1 Kings 21, 19. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you. Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 23. And concerning Jezebel, Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. This God ain't playing around. When he sees injustice, he don't play games. This spirit is still alive today. But God will judge it. The spirit of Jezebel is, this, is, is set to kill the pastors, kill strong leadership, kill the prophets. How? Well, not with a sword anymore, but by killing their reputation online. To try to control the vineyard, to try to control the kingdom. The spirit strives for attention and dominance, but unlike the chorus spirit, it will do it mostly behind the leader's back, on the phone, in the lobby, in small home gatherings, in the church parking lot. You don't think God sees that stuff? We got false prophets prophesying in the parking lot. This is good stuff today. That spirit needs to be rid in our lives, in our church, and everywhere else. It's time for the house of God to rise up. And let me just tell you something. For some of you all, that's a bit much. But I don't care. I know what God told me to preach. And... He's challenging us to go up to another level with him. Do you want to be goo goo gaga the rest of your life? Or do you want to understand how the real spirit realm works and operates? Why would I want that? So you can get some victory in your lives. 